Good, you applauded. There's controversy. We'll get to that. This whole service is about music and what we do in a service. In fact, this is going to be a slightly different kind of service today because we're going to honor and understand the better the role of music and what our whole service is about, the music that's in the air. And uh, uh, what I have in mind is deconstructing our worship service, hopefully without ruining it. I'm sure you'll let me know. <laughs> but I want to make sure everyone has a hymnal or access to a hymnal is sitting next to someone with a hymnal. Because the title for this service and sermon comes from a hymn. You don't have to look it up, but it's number 30, Over My Head. I hear music in the air. And we'll talk about that later. But first, for the moment, to sing our hymn for gathering, we actually step out of this hymnal. Our music director, who's not here today, Joseph Rivers, brought um, this piece of music. Does everyone have an insert or a scrap of paper that has um, our gathering hymn in it? If not, all of you who know it are going to have to really sing out, which is... Something else I'll talk about. Uh, we've only been singing this gathering hymn for two years, but it's become a touchstone for, I'd say, all of us. I'm going to make that hyperbole uh, declaration and say all. And something I want to th- want you to think about as we have worship together, that we tend to go through things in a rote way. Yeah, 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 we're going to sing the uh, gathering song. Yeah, 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 now we're going to say this. And I'm going to ask you to consider just today, step out of yourself and try thinking about uh, that what you say and sing matters, and it matters to the person right next to you. Uh, We'd like to do big things and save the world, and sometimes the small thing that we toss off as unimportant is what matters. So I want you to bring your whole heart. And those of you who are reluctant to sing, get over it. (laughs) Just today, we'll let you go back to being the person we love who is a little shy. So, um, and there's a phrase I want you to think about through this whole service. And it comes from... Uh, Well, we'll talk about this too. It comes from a woman who's written a lot of hymns that we sing, and one that we sing every single Sunday. And she talks about singing. She says, to be true, to be true to its timbre, the human voice requires authenticity of body, authenticity of language, and authenticity of community. So every word we sing and say today is our effort to bring that authenticity and to resonate with the person next to you so the whole room is resonating. So if you'll rise as you're able, we will sing here together. (laughs) We are here
You may be seated. Okay, I'm going to make you work this book. Come on, Wade, you're fine. We normally have words up on the screen, but you're going to get to know this book today. And so if you will open to page 448. I know it's in your order of service, but work with me. Because I want you to see it as it's written. I want you to see the author. And I want you to notice there are other chalice lightings. We light, so it's the bottom part. We light this beacon of hope, sign of our quest for truth and meaning in celebration of the life we share together. Who knew there were other words that went before? So we've come into this sanctuary of hope where our hearts and minds are opened to the future. We've come into this room of justice where we know that no lives are insignificant. And we've come into this room of love where we know no lives are insignificant. And we've come into this room of song where we unite our voices in the beautiful and somber melodies of life. Love is the spirit of this church and service its law. This is our great covenant to stand together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. This is normally that moment where we'd have visual hymns and slides and quotes, and we're taking a break from audiovisual this summer. But we don't we don't really call ourselves people of the book. The Bible is not our sole source of inspiration. But this book, which we often don't pick up during the year, really is a... It plays an important role in our community that we don't acknowledge. It's kind of a hidden... um, All I can think of is a strap. It's like a strap that binds us all together. And um, we're going to talk about it because this embodies our openness to different theologies and our openness to other ideas. And yet there are things that are in here that have been in UU hymnals um, since the 1700s. So deconstructing this first part of our service, live, living, music is integral to inviting all of our senses into this room. And music has that ability to touch our hearts and minds in ways that we can't even begin to describe. And we take it for granted. It's on my uh, iPod, and I turn on my radio. We are now surrounded by music. So to ask us today to treat music with the gravitas and dignity and joy and silliness that it deserves. And we always start with this wordless prelude, which I love that we applauded Chris, and he's always experimenting, and he'll play something classical. Or he, I don't know if you've noticed he's been uh, arranging some pretty funky things for us. <laughs> uh, when it's really hard, that means he wrote that arrangement, and he's trying to keep up with himself. Um, 
And then this, this, our gathering song, the one that isn't in the hymnal, the composer, David Glasgow, has gone on to write a whole piece with the bookends that we sing. So it's part of something larger now. And he explains, I think we should know and always remember that whatever we're singing came from someone who wanted to express something inexpressible. And he says the lyrics that we sing, our gathering song, here together, expresses his personal understanding of church, his personal ecclesiology, and what it means to be part of a community of faith. And so we're willing to step in his body and try singing his thoughts and hearts. We're singing someone else's soul, and we forget that because we worry, oh, I'm out of tune, and I, uh, that person next to me can really sing, and we get, you know, all that monkey mind stuff interrupts our ability to really be present and sing and say together. And this, our, our time together on Sunday is a moment out of the week that's not like anything else. It's a moment out of time. That's part of what transcendent, makes this transcendent is it's not like anything else we do. Even as a minister, it's not like anything else I do. So, uh, trying to think what else I want to make sure that we cover. So we move on to words. We have Chris do wordless things, and then we move on to words because we indeed are a people of idea and words talked about that before. If you'll turn back to your hymnal to 471. This is what um, Pentecostal and more traditional Christian churches are like. There's this moment of quiet and people are turning their pages, you know, to find... But we're not. I want you to know that we say a covenant. But I want you to know that there are are so many other covenants. And there may be a time in your family meeting or your business or a meeting here that you want other words. But ours, 473, is spoken, not universally, but it is the most common covenant spoken in Unitarian and Universalist churches. And I love that the first word is love. And that's a gong throughout our whole service. We'll bring that word up in different ways and talk about it through the words that we repeat every every time. And our children say this specific covenant every Sunday. So they're learning to have these words in their bones. We've thrown out rote memorization as a common educational tool. And I think what we've thrown away is um, having words and ideas literally implanted, not just in our synapses, but as those synapses affect our whole body. I, I wish I grew up in a time where education was about memorizing poems and having to stand up and be embarrassed and say it in front of people. But that is, in effect, what we do here when we say the covenant and all these other words. 
And now that we've spoken our words of promise to each other and how that love will look, we come back to music. And we sing a song, a hymn by Carolyn McDade. And you will hear a lot more about her today because we know her music intimately. Her song, Spirit of Life, is something that we sing every single Sunday. So we'll talk about that. But our hymn is another one of her songs. So if you'll rise as you're able and turn to hymn 346. 346. We will sing, come sing a song with me. With gusto, right? Sing a to old-time members, new members, guests, visitors. Welcome to Hope Church. We are a welcoming congregation. We don't care. What? The microphone. I need a microphone. <laughs> oh, my Lord. My, my ego just went down the tubes. Okay, is this better? Okay. Well, you do. 
You do indeed. Um, welcome, everyone. Uh, we are a welcoming congregation, and we don't care who you are or where you came from. You're welcome here. We've got a place for you right here. So never doubt that. Anyway, I just have three brief announcements this morning. The first, something was handed to me just before I came up here. The third International Women's Convocation is coming up. Uh, it'll be February 16 through 19, 2017. Uh, there's more information about it out in the lobby after the church. Uh, after church, and uh, this month, if you if you uh, reserve before the end of the month, you get a hundred dollar discount. Is that correct? Okay. Uh, next announcement. Um, there's a family fish fry that will be held up at the um, Holway Point cabin up on Grand Lake. It's about, what, 75 miles north of here, I think? Something like that. Anyway, wonderful fish fry. Bring your swimsuits. Bring all your uh, uh, outing gear. And uh, they will be providing soft drinks, uh, hush puppies, fish. It's going to be a grand feast. And the uh, price is $40 for adults. And I think children are free, are they not? Okay. And this is a wonderful thing. The uh, Holway Cabin burned down. It got struck by lightning last year. And it's now been rebuilt. So this is kind of the inauguration of the new cabin. And uh, so we're looking forward to a grand time together. Tuesday night, second Tuesday of every month is what? This month is The Graduate. Uh, this was a seminal movie uh, in, in the industry. It changed a lot of things about how movies are uh, made, particularly script writing. Very, very important uh, uh, changes and things that were introduced by Mike Nichols and uh, some of the other folks in the cast. It stars Dustin Hoffman, Catherine Ross, and Anne Bancroft. And it sent a whole generation of young men looking for Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> anyway, uh, 7 o'clock Tuesday, uh, we will um, uh, soft drinks. Popcorn is free. Admission is free. You can't beat free. So join us Tuesday night. Thank you. morning. My name is Ann Steiner, and the point of my talk today is the point. <laughs> How many of you know what the point is? Well, a few hands went up. The point is a retreat, a Unitarian Universalist retreat, which is held every summer. Held this summer, July 24th through the 29th. Where is it held? At Sequoia State Park, which is right at the north end of Fort Gibson Lake. It is a wonderful, wonderful family adventure. And there are not too many families in, at Hope Church that have signed up for it yet. You'd think as close as it is, our whole congregation would be going. And as inexpensive as it is, there's even more reason that everyone should go. So, what is it about? Well, it's about, first of all, a lot of fun. But there's second, there are worship services. There are special talks. There are 
informative groups to get together and study certain issues. There's a choir that, sing, that practices every day. There are programs for children grouped according to ages, and particularly the ones for young adults are really very popular with the, with the young adults because they kind of are out of parental supervision for a while. The nice thing about the, for the program for the children is that they start 15 minutes earlier and run 15 minutes longer than the program for the adults. So while you're doing your thing, your kids are being well taken care of at a very reasonable price. The, um, the registration is $245 per adult. It's $150 for youth and $125 for children. Or it's $120. Yeah, pretty close. Um, the housing is also pretty, pretty inexpensive. They're not going to charge you. It, it's per room. So suppose you have three friends who would like to go with you and share a room with four people. Now, it can be a little bit crowded, but I'll tell you, there's four of us who do this at GA every year, and we just have a ball. So you find three, three, three friends to go with you and share a room with your own private bath and maybe a kitchenette and a microwave or a refrigerator. And together with your registration, you're in within $400 for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday morning. So you leave after church on Sunday, and you get back early afternoon on Friday. And while you're there, you have your out of doors. There's a, indoor, there's a swimming pool, which is very popular. But there's also swimming in the lake. There are other attractions at Sequoia State Park. There's a petting zoo for kids. There's a nature. There's nature trails. Uh, there's horseback riding. There's you can swim in the lake. You can go boating. A lot of things that, that to do if you don't feel like worshiping. But <laughs> the thing is that that's fun too. There the uh, in theme speaker who speaks every morning is George Kimmich Beach. Um, he has served as Unitarian minister for many places. His wife, Barbara Beach, is also going to be there and is going to do a special presentation on the International Women's Conference, which was held in Bolivia in November, to which Julia Harris attended. So, Julia, you ought to be able to go there and visit with them and meet Barbara again and say hello to her. So, um, to find out about... Oh, here's a caveat. The cheap rates only apply until the 1st of July, and then $100 gets added to the registration fee for adults and $50 for the children and so on. So you might check it out right now. When you, as soon as you go home, get on your in, internet, on the computer, and go to the point UU. That's easy to remember, right? The point UU dot org. And up in the upper right-hand corner, there's a little thing that says registration. <laughs> and you push that, and it just fill it out. I mean, if I can do it, being a computer illiterate, 
anybody can do it. And they got me registered fine. Now, Charles, he didn't, he said, you register me, please. So I did that too. So Charles and I are definitely going. I know that Rebecca and Ken Jones are going and they're taking Lizzie with them. And I haven't heard of anybody else who's definitely going, but there are some people who have indicated their interest. So I would look forward to seeing you there if you have any other questions. There's something like this that's laying out there on the table outside Maggie's desk. Uh, it's the preliminary program, all, all about the speakers, all about the workshops you can go to. Um, um, the lodge is a good place to stay. Has a restaurant. All of the all of the rooms are air conditioned, so it's not like camping out in a tent under under the blazing uh, uh, end of July sun. Um, a lot of meals are joint meals. There's a one night is a, is a chili cook off. Another night is a family barbecue. Um, there's one night in the at the, the at the restaurant in the lodge. It's a, a baked potato dinner. Uh, so. With the exception of the noon meal, I mean, you're on your own for breakfast, but, you know, that's easy. Um, so the f food is relatively inexpensive. There's a lot of joint meals. There's a lot of fun and fellowship. You get to meet a lot of good UUs from all over. Other UU ministers, they have a special program one night where meet the ministers, and uh, that's kind of fun, too. So, oh, I forgot to mention, our minister is going also. So, so we'll hope we'll see some more of you there. Thank you. Thank you. There's an age-old discussion in churches about announcements. Do they belong in the worship service? Are they news or are they worship? And I've looked back at some of our older orders of service from... Um, past times, past ministers, and the announcements have always been part of Hope's tradition. Uh, not that we have to hold on to, to tradition or can't change. But today, and I reserve my right to change my mind, I think worship and announcements go together, that, that it is a part. It's a timely window into our values and our mission. Um, there are times we'll stand up and we'll talk about the meal we're doing for Day Center for the Homeless and it talks about the fact that our church is hospitable to our community has concerns about those who don't have what we have that we are willing to work with others so I think announcements belong and it even ends about the point that we are part of something larger that we must not forget. So now for prayer and meditation. I often write prayers for you or bring words for others from others, but if you'll turn to 448. One thing that makes our hymnal so different from every other hymnal of every other denomination is that we are open to the ideas and um, 484, I'm sorry. I, I'm dyslexia stroke. 484. You'll see it's the section with prayer and meditation. And we are open to the words and the wisdom and the ideas 
across the ages and around the world. If you want to follow along, I'm going to say the words of our renowned 19th century Unitarian William Henry Channing. But before I do that, I'm making you work, just saying. You all expect me to come up here and do all the work every Sunday? Well, it's payback. If you'll put your finger, I'm going to have us all sing. Normally the choir sings, and they're on deserved break. And when they're gone, Chris plays for us. But we are going to sing the meditation at the end. And that will be 388. So just put your finger in there. That's Dona Nobis Pachem. And I assume many of you may be familiar with that. So we're going to do our own work. We're going to do our own prayer our own silence, and our own music meditation. So join me with your eyes or with your heart. To live content with small means, to seek elegance rather than luxury, and refinement rather than fashion to be worthy, not respectable, and wealthy, not rich. To study hard, think quietly, talk gently, and act frankly. To listen to stars and birds, to babes and sages with open heart. To bear all cheerfully, do all bravely, await occasions. Hurry never. To let the spiritual, unbidden, and unconscious grow throughout the common. This is to be my symphony.
I knew you could do it. <clears throat> so for our readings, what do you think? I'm going to make you work. So if you will turn to 655, again, it's what makes our hymnal unlike any other religious liturgical text. We're going to read from the Greek philosopher, and he was an enigmatic Greek philosopher. He was concerned about changing the, the changing nature of the world and with humans' attempts to order it through reason, something we still work on. I was going to make a political comment. I won't. Um, and you may, you may recognize this particular Greek philosopher from his maxim that no person ever steps in the same river twice. So those of you with, um, how should we divide ourselves? Those of you who are wearing glasses, uh, if you will read the first set of lines, and those of you without glasses, Contacts, too. Those of you with contacts will read the second part. That would be terrific. Whosoever wishes to know about the world must learn about it in its particular details. Knowledge is not intelligence. In searching for the truth, be ready for the unexpected. Change alone is unchanging. The same road goes both up and down. The beginning of a circle is also its end. Not I, but the world says it. All is one, and yet everything comes in season. So if you will turn to 548, back a few pages. For those who don't sing, this is the uh, spoken word version of singing to join our voices together. 548. So I want you to know that Helen Cohn is a, um, or was, a Unitarian Universalist minister, and she served for many years at the church in Lexington, Massachusetts. So it comes from her observation of those seasons. We stand at the edge of summer. The summer has worn, warmed us enough that we begin to trust its presence. The last burst of spring blossoms, lavender and white and deep pink banks of rhododendron, are giving way to summer peonies and roses. O oh, source of the turning seasons, of earth, of life. May your people find a lightening of the burdens with the brightening of the sky. Something this morning from one of my favorite John Bacchino, um, last Sunday, Joseph came up to me after the service and 
specifically re requested this song. Uh, he had just found out that a dear friend of his had passed away and felt like this would be a, an appropriate song to not only address that, but the transitory nature of this life. Honey, come here, I have something to tell you. It won't make things perfect, and it may not make sense. But someday you'll see it as clear as my smile. Do you know the word temporary? It means only for a little Everything is temporary. A friend moves, a tooth aches, a pet dies, a toy breaks, the detours a life takes. Temporary. Everything is temporary. A storm clears, a tear dries, a wing heals, a bird flies, the trust lighting your eyes. Temporary. I know you want things to stay the same I know it's hard to watch a childhood going up in smoke It's hard for me to watch a child who's growing up And choke back all the warnings I could scream To protect you from the things that aren't solid as they seem But then I'm only temporary. Everything is temporary. A child leaves, a heart breaks, a love dies, a world shakes. The difference one life makes temporary. The trick is hold it now as tightly as you can. Whether it's a favorite toy or a sad little boy who's trying hard to be a brave little man. Hold it tighter because you know you'll have to let it go. If you learn this, though, it won't feel so sad. A playmate, a tear stain, a Christmas, a dad, 
the best times, the worst pain, all temporary. So I'm going to talk about what Chris is playing, then we're going to sing it. It's hymn 30, Over My Head. That's where the title from this sermon comes from. And um, it's a great song for all ages. It's a zipper, zipper song. If you don't know what a zipper song is, no, it's not for uh, what you think. Uh, It is a song where you can insert different words of your choosing. And that's something we as Unitarian Universalists already do. And we like to think we're the only ones. Uh, that's not the case. Every single That's just the history of music and folk progress and storytelling that everyone tells it a little differently, adds a little different word. And even though it's printed in black and white, it makes it seem like, well, that's exactly how the song must be. And no, that's not the case. We've altered songs from Christian hymnals, and those Christian hymnals throughout the ages have altered songs. So uh, we're not doing anything blasphemous, although we are. That's what... um, And I want to point out that part of our gift as a progressive liberal religious community is we all have different names for the ultimate And some are comfortable using the word God, and that's in this song. So I'm going to give you permission when we sing to come up with whatever word might fit you. What is it that is bigger than you that you can't control? Trust me, there's a lot, even though we'd rather think not. Um, God, source, force, and if you're a quick singer and can cram in two or three syllables into that one note, then you can say spirit or source of life or, or say, heck, I don't know. <laughs> it is okay to be agnostic and say, don't know, at that moment. So the zipper part is not just that word God, but what do you hear, see, sing So we're going to sing all three verses. And for the last one, you can add whether you see trouble or you can, whatever inspires you. We'll all sing different words. So when it comes around to the beginning, we'll sing with gusto the first verse.
life really in the air. There must be something out there. Finally figured out what I wanted to say at that last part. There must be something out there. I, I got onto this whole jag of our hymnal and singing because I was in a group of Unitarians, none of you, and we were having a conversation and someone said something that, well, it was like someone saying, I don't like chocolate, or um, I love working all the time. It was like, what? They said they didn't like Spirit of Life which is a song that we sing every single Sunday. So then there was this whole discussion that ensued about, oh, that song's like a funeral dirge, and my church sings it all the time, and I just hate it. And I just thought, well, how can you say these things? (laughs) But then when I come to my senses, I realize, oh, you know what? There are probably many here. The minute that comes to that point in our service, they go, oh yeah, this song again. (laughs) They may not quite feel so enamored with it that others of us are. So that got me thinking about, well, why do we sing it, and who's the person that wrote it, and why, why do those other people feel like it's such a dirge? And it got me thinking about our hymnal. And the author, Carolyn McDade, is a contemporary composer. So I will sing the praise of our hymnal and just talk a little bit about what it means to have a hymnal and why a hymnal is always a few steps behind where we are. Because it's it's the work of a committee. And they have to go... (laughs) Is that familiar? (laughs) It's the work of more than one person, which is the ultimate of what we try and do here is get along and do work together. So the minute this committee meets and starts figuring out what music to include and what music to take out and then get all the permissions, that takes a couple of years. And then to publish it, they're expensive. So hymnals don't get published often every 30 or 40 or 50 years. So by the time this hymnal was published and all of the dutiful Unitarian churches got all their money together and said, okay, we're going to bite the bullet and buy enough so that everyone can have one, by that moment, the world had moved on. And the feminist movement had begun, and so all the words that were him or his or Lord graded (laughs) to say the least and then other changes why you know what we're not only open to white anglo-saxon men and women but the world is made up of other cultures and ooh, there's not a lot here that is outside of our eurocentric um, reformation and renaissance liturgy or readings so there actually is um, there is more than one 
There's a second hymnal that is an effort to bring in more Hispanic and more inclusive words and more African-American. But even in the readings in the back of this hymnal, and now there's yet another uh, addition with new readings. I forgot to bring it. It's in my office. That was a distinct effort to be as broad and inclusive but we're never going to be the world will change and we'll struggle to catch up but that doesn't mean this is not valuable so I'm, I encourage you to borrow it uh, buy one for yourself because the readings in the back are astonishing in their breadth and the music is wonderful and the words try to imagine that you're you're on this hymnal committee and you're trying to create a document that will fit a unitarian church that has 10 people only so they don't can't afford a musician or a Chris Powell and a Joseph Rivers or a minister or a Kathy Edwards um, and so they're making their own worship and some of these require some of the songs require a lot of harmony and sophisticated singing. So how do you make a hymnal that is inclusive in that way, in terms of congregation size? Yet, at the same time, you need to have a hymnal that will have songs that small people can sing and remember, like that zipper song. That's why zipper songs are so great, because you just repeat it over and over again, and then change a few words, and you have a whole completely different song or express a whole different emotion and then of course you need to have there are among us these fabulous musicians and organists and churches with high liturgical church choirs in robes that process and uh, organ piano harp pounding out and so you need a hymnal that will accommodate all that do not ever ask me to be on the hymnal committee (laughs) if we ever think any of our committee work is hard then we should always stop in silence and go thank goodness this is not the hymnal committee and then to get permission don't get me started but it it's a wonderful it's a wonderful work that we should use as much as we can I want to talk about the song that we are going to sing as we always do, that one that the people I was sitting with said, oh, that dirge, you sing it every single Sunday? Yes, we do. And I want to talk about the composer. Her name is Carolyn McDade. She originally didn't consider herself a musician, was going about life, married, had children. She and her husband moved to Austin, Texas, and it's there that she found the Unitarian Universalist Church, First Unitarian, First Austin. This was in the 70s, so quite a while ago. Children were young, and that's where she had affirmed her seeking religiously what we do here 
try to sort through what we believe and investigate with others. And she was so thrilled to have found a community where that was possible. She actually moved beyond us and felt like, uh, I love these Unitarians, was with us for a long time, but now actually identifies as merely someone who is seeking and uses her music to create community. She generally does it with women, and now she actually does it primarily with singing groups in Canada and some on the East Coast. She ended up moving to the East Coast. Um, But I want to talk about... She wrote an autobiography, so actually I'd like to read some of her words. What music came to mean for her and how it came to be the thing that could hold a community together, could express the doubts, the concerns, the fears of a community. My singing as a child, what I now know as prayer, was freed from the language of church. It was buoyancy that held without confinement, that affirmed my capacity to shape my heart into sound. What I know now is it is still an act of courage to sing in the way that disrobes the heart and lays its curve into the world, that leaves the soul whole and the body shining. Such singing leads us into a confrontation with entrenched and unjust power. And that's where she says the line, to be true to its timbre, the human voice requires authenticity. Authenticity of body, language, community. So I want you to know when we sing that spirit of life, that we are singing a song that she, she wrote, just kind of tumbled out of her when she was stuck as an activist. She was an activist from the 70s up to the present day on every single possible critical activist moment. One leads to another. Women need to be freed. So do we not need to be using nuclear power? What about Black Lives Matter? It's that kind of angry at any injustice in the world, how that kind of activism leads you from one thing to another. And she was feeling burnt out. This was in the 70s. And so out of her one evening when she was like, I can't do this anymore, came tumbling spirit of life. And she didn't write it as a hymn. In fact, she kind of struggled with the folks that wanted to put it into our hymnal. She said, it's not a hymn. And they said, okay, we'll compromise if you'll let us have it. We won't put it in the hymn section. We'll put it in the activism section in the social justice section. She said, okay, I can do that. And others have written words after, and she said, I don't mind when people use the folk process and change my music, but this particular piece, these two verses, that's enough. You don't have to say any more. So that's what we will do in a minute is sing Spirit of Life and carry on. Um, 
This is the point in our service where we give away our plate. Give generously. It goes to the Mental Health Association of Oklahoma. Chris, do you mind turning to him, one, two, three? All of you? We will say our litany afterwards, but I want us to sing Spirit of Life. One, two, three. I know I'm messing up the order a little on purpose. What we say after we've taken up our offering, and our offering, unlike many other churches, although increasingly more and more, we give away our plate. And so the words that we say afterwards were written by a Unitarian minister. But it's interesting, in other churches, they use that particular, what what we will say in just a minute, they use it um, during their pledge drives, So they use it to open up people's checkbooks and wallets. And I love that this church chooses to use it, and I inherited this order of service of saying these words after the offertory and thought, I love where this is. 
We use it to express gratitude for our own generosity because it is in giving to the outer community that we also cement our relationships here. So if you will say with me, we build on foundations we did not lay. We want, we did not light. We sit in the shade of trees we did not plant. We drink from wells we did not dig. We profit from persons we did not know. We are ever bound in community. So I have one last gift for those of you about our hymnal and those of you who aren't musical but are more mathematical or poetic or rhythmical or who crave systems and order or simply like to be let in on a secret. You'll turn one more time to the back of your hymnal, way back, 665. Is that right? Oh, there are actually page numbers. I'm wanting you to go further back, not just a reading, but little tiny numbers way back. The heading should be Metrical Index of Tunes. Just a bunch of numbers and columns. I just want to teach you what this means because the hymn that we're going to go out on comes from the tune Finlandia. So each tune in here has a certain rhythm, right? Well, it turns out some of those rhythms can be matched up. 665, did you find it down in the... So if you'll look on the main page, Metrical Index of Tunes, you'll see CM 8.6.8.6. See what I'm talking about? Elkie's shaking her head. Someone help. (laughs) This is way in the back. There are only 10 more pages left. Well, the CM means common meter, and the 8686 refers to how many beats are in each line. So you'll see it. There are all these songs under that particular heading, Amazing Grace. I assume everyone knows Amazing Grace. It's an 8686 rhyme and meter. But lo and behold, all these other songs can be sung to that exact same tune. In fact, down there it says, even further down, Forest Green, which is the tune to O Little Town of Bethlehem. So we can sing Amazing Grace to the tune of O Little Town of Bethlehem. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep. The silent star go by. Again, for those small churches that only have a few tunes, they can use a million different words. So we are going to end our hymn is Finlandia. This is my song 159. There are more 
words to this in various parts of the hymnal, but we're going to sing this particular version. 159, Rise as You Are Able. This is my song Yes, our chalice extinguishing comes from the hymnal, but it's in your order of service. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. May the love which overcomes all differences, which heals all wounds, which puts to flight all fears, which reconciles all who are separated, be in us and among us now and always. Amen. We have spent...